Welcome to NextCast, where we take you on a thrilling journey into the heart of innovation, urban development, and the future of our bustling cities. I'm your host, Emilia, CEO of SwissNext in San Francisco, and this is the Metropolis season. Good morning and welcome to this new episode of NextCast the Metropolis edition, celebrating the 20th anniversary of Swissnex in San Francisco. In today's podcast, we are here with uh, Carolina Marquez-Bernard, book designer and independent researcher. Good morning, Carolina. Good morning, Emilia. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? You are in San Francisco right now, right? Yes, I landed yesterday. Very happy to be here. Oh, then that's nice. We're looking forward to, to working with you um, and very much looking forward to hearing more about who you are and what you do. So let's start with a very broad question. Who are you and what do you do? Well, it was a good introduction. Uh, I'm, I'm a graphic designer uh, and independent uh, researcher. I am from Spain, from Barcelona, but I'm based in, in Zurich, in Switzerland. And uh, I mostly work with, with book design and with uh, design research. Um, and my projects are normally in the fields of, of culture and anthropology, but also in the arts and, and fashion. And uh, right now I'm working as a research associate at the Institute for Design Research at the Zurich University of the Arts um, in the Department of Design and Visual Communication. Uh, in there and for the past years, I have like focused my research practice in new possibilities in the human environmental relationship, mostly uh, drawing lines in the making process. So I really focus on, on, on the making and the doing and the creating as a sort of uh, let's say translator between species um, to to connect through the making process um, with other species and um, and yeah I'm also right now currently preparing what it will be my first seminar to bachelor students in design uh, it will be called critical and speculative design in the Zurich University of the Arts next semester mm -hmm. and um, so book designers when you started to talk I was. Was, uh, I had some thought about books. Um, I'm a I'm a book person. Uh, I moved all my books to San Francisco from Switzerland. Uh, but we know that nowadays uh, a lot of uh, of activities and knowledge are um, produced or or transmitted um, digitally. So how? What is like your perspective on this? On the digital versus book? Is it still a medium that has a future somehow? I definitely think so. I mean, I'm an analog person, like absolutely. I mean, you can see with Speaking Bread that I talk about artisanal <laughs> bread making and uh, I, I love the medium of, of books. I think uh, books are a great disseminator of, of culture and a great way of like sharing knowledge and uh, definitely uh, technology and the digital world has um, allowed us to be much more like independent and like be like uh, like self-learning and we ha we have all the possibilities in the digital world but um i really believe like books have like a special way of like sharing content and uh, and for me it's a great medium to 
to be able to like focus on on one thing and and like also create something that will stay you know that it's that you you have a, a different relation with books and when than than with things that are in the in the cloud you you can touch the book you can really like create a relation with that and i think that's that's something very special And could you now maybe talk because um, your project Making Bread, the project that you're presenting um, in Swiss Next at San Francisco, it's also a book, right? Exactly. Could you, so, could you yes. present it a little bit? Yes. Um, so, well, I um, Speaking Bread, so it's titled Speaking Bread, Relationships Beyond Materiality. It's a project that uh, analyzes Uh, interspecies relations that create or that that um, that emerge from the process of making artisan and traditional bread, and um, it's gathered into a book um, of um, that actually will be officially published in spring 2024 if everything goes well uh, with Spectre Books. Um, it's a German art uh, publisher. And in there, there are 45 types of bread uh, that represent this uh, more theoretical perspective of how species can re relate through the making process. So for me, um, let's say uh, it, it was important to as a designer to, to look for ways to... Um, to understand design differently, like really understand this, like what design is and does and how can we use design really practically. Um, and uh, kind of like use it as a medium to to uh, to look for different ways of researching and uh, and and communicating and uh, and and thinking um, that can help us kind of like shape new ways of uh, interacting and and uh, problematizing current social aspects that is that are happening right now um, and bring them into discussion so while doing my master at the Zurich University of the Arts I I had um, the chance to arrive to the more than human or anthropocentric anthropocene discussion on our uh, on on the understanding of the moment that we live in right now um in which, as we said before, no, like rapid technological and scientific advances are really um, somehow forcing us to, to reevaluate our relationship with matter, with our surroundings, with, with the environment. So when you talk about inter yeah. when you talk about uh, interspecies, you talk about the relationship between human and the bread. Exactly. About so, the... yeah. So it's the relation that emerges between the human, the baker, and the non-human or the more than human, which is the dough. The the interesting part of of uh, speaking bread or or like our artisanal bread making is that it's not made just by a thought of a human. Like humans couldn't do a real piece of bread by by themselves. Um, You, you need that interaction. You need uh, humans that act as a physicist, putting like ingredients together. Um, but you need the dough that 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 transforms and ferments these these uh, these ingredients that, on their own, do not provide sustenance into a really life-giving piece of food. So when, yeah, when I talk to, uh, about multi-species or interspecies relations, I talk uh, about the, the relation between the the baker. And the dough, and this like very primitive and intimate way of of relating through through our hands and through our senses, when we do like craft practices. 
Did you do you also um, focus on the leaven because um, the I mean the leaven is kind of a living ingredient um, as well somehow I heard that some people who have started to cultivate it during the pandemic give name to them when they go on holiday you can even uh, you know bring them to uh, someone with leaven sitting somehow um, So I was wondering if this particular ingredient had a special role in your project. Well, I mean, it, it definitely has, because one of like the main things is to recognize that actually matter is alive, that has agency on its own, that has the, the own capacity to like transform and create like vitality uh, on on its on its own development and, and production. So it was very interesting to see how um, all these bakers that that have no no relation to like more specific um theories uh, of new materialism or like like critical theories um are uh, really um embedded this this understanding of though as something that is alive that it's that it's that it's living and that has its own agency so they really like consider even there were some like funny moments with the bakers in where they They were really talking about the dough as their child, you know, as, as really as something that it's alive. So you, you have to get used to that kind of like language and vocabulary. But it was really beautiful to see how much they appreciate, how much they respect um, something that it's alive and that it's giving them like that feeds them. Do you have um, so we're talking about bread maker here. Um, have you encountered other people? Um, in your journey that had a similar relationship to uh, non to, to non-living species or to, to materials meaning the bakers or uh, no I'm, I was I was wondering maybe to give you um, I, I was wondering if it was the same for um, a carpenter with wood for example that he was also uh, so I, my question to you is have you Have you met other type of artisans who had a similar relationship with their um, with their work, you know, with the, the material they're working with? No, um, not yet. <laughs> maybe the future. Maybe I, I apply this this theory in other craft practices. That could be an interesting way of like continuing with this project. Um, no, I'm a I'm a, um, a design researcher, and I'm interested in in new materialities and, and ecologies and a way of of kind of like implementing this research, this very theoretical research in something in a reality, in something that happens, in something that it's tangible and, and then everyone can understand was through bread. Um but it's the, the only like uh, project so far that I have that I have kind of like uh, ethnographically researched. So for the moment, I know about bread. <laughs> I don't know about other crafts, but I guess it's it's similar. I guess like the idea of um, of uh, really um, this idea of the oficio in Spanish. We have this really beautiful word for for this like. Uh, um, Specialities, these practices that really um, connect with the material in a very like in like primitive way. I think it, it's it's a kind of like a similar in all the cases, or I, I would I would think so. I would say so. Um, I would like to um, zoom out a little bit on the question of the 
the making process the process of making something creativity and the future um and i was wondering what were your thoughts about um i mean I'm, i'm really making a big step now but to to generative ai because if you study the process of creation and the process of you know making bread through you know something physical that you evolve with the material with the tools that we have today you just prompt a couple of things and then you have your door somehow and i, I would like to have a couple of your thoughts about this new process what does it mean for creativity um how is it, is it going to change us in a way what are your hypotheses about the world regarding this this new technology well i think um i mean uh, it's dif it's difficult to say because i mean I, i i really think that technology can help us like understand um matter and and its agency and vitality very well and i think that um, nowadays we have um projects and organizations and, and new ideas through AI and through through the, the technological um, kind of like possibilities that are great and that can give us like many options. But um, I really think that we have many answers in things that already exist. Um, I think we have it, it really... I think like in order to, to be able to uh, gain a change, um, climate change, political, economical, social change, um, it has to come from, a, from an ethical and, and moral perspective in how we position really ourselves in the world. And I think this idea of um, always trying to find the solutions through new things, it's, uh, it's, it's positive in some ways. I really, I really have nothing to say through projects that maybe are are positive even like in food industry with like new types of vegan meats and so on I'm, I, I think they are they are great and give a lot of possibilities but uh, it still comes from an idea of like needing to do more and new things and maybe we can just like step one you know like do one step backwards and and realize that um We, we are somehow detached of, uh, of, of like the ground of this planet, you know, of like the soil, the, the animals, the, the, the mountains, the air, the clouds, like everything that's around us. We, we live in this like, um, sterilized concrete boxes. I mean, it's a very like dystopic way of seeing it, but we, we have disregarded ancient knowledge of how to really relate to our surroundings. And through that knowledge, this very traditional knowledge, if we really like, um, kind of like, a, um, understand it as as this like a uh, um, knowledge that has been like uh, gathered through years and years of experience of like try and error of like understanding what what surround us and that we are not the only species here you know that we 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 share a common space with other species that old knowledge can actually teach us a lot of things so yeah i'm i'm again i'm more an analog than a And a digital person. I think there we have uh, many answers that that could be, that could like uh, could be like used um, for for a change. Building up on on what you said, um, or, or not actually, could you could you tell us what is your radical vision for for the future? I mean, I think there's like one answer to to that. I I don't have like one specific like vision. I I am, um, you know, I'm. 
I'm interested in what is happening. I'm interested in not even like finding solutions. So I also think it's kind of like a problematization to like see this like post-natural scenario as a as a problem solution based. Um, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm here interested in what is happening in, in trying to problematize the things and bring them into discussion. And I think like through very small steps as, for example, supporting one practice or not the other, supporting, for example, artisanal bread making and not industrialized bread making, um, we can already make a big change. So I, I don't have like one big answer of like what would like the future be, but uh, but maybe, for example, just starting like eating artisanal bread and not industrialized, we could already like like change like the, the, the path of our globalized uh, world. And if I so if I make the hypothesis that um, do, do you believe that people in the future will more and more come back to this type of ancient traditional practices or knowledge um, like you were you know you were describing a little bit more um, how shall I say maybe something that yeah yeah probably closer to you know the earth and the ancestral tradition um, rather than this more um, that techno optimist world like what, what is your guess on this I think it's very divided I <laughs> think uh, there's many people that think that way and I think that we we have like a huge current of of like people that um you know, like I, I think that the, the origin of of, uh, of a number of questions that have originated from this historical time that we are living, like COVID, war, um, really huge social and economical crises, like the climate crisis, or like the urgency of needing to um, do something in order to to stop climate change, had uh, has. Um, pushed many, many people like contemporary artists, like researchers, architects, physicists, really a lot of people to imagine this post-human scenario challenging this, um, let's say, this like universal, this Western universal idea of the white male men to measure everything. So there's a huge part of the society that that it's moving towards the the past kind of like practices that are much more present much more local uh, in order to understand time differently but there's also a huge part of the society that it's not really um i think we are all aware of of climate change but that are not really ready to to make a step towards a change you know like people are afraid of of the otherness of of like changing the, their habits and um and that's why I meant that. I mean, we can we can bring many solutions, new solutions, new new things into the world. But if it's not a change that comes really from an ethical and moral point of view, in where we really understand our position in the planet differently, that we are not the only ones, and that we cannot um, kind of like use the 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 like uh, nature as a background for human activity. Um, it it will be difficult actually. I have a very I have a bit a bit of a dystopic way of seeing the future. It's it's I see it very difficult actually to change uh, people's lives. But we are in a good way, I think. If we um, you know, we started. You you mentioned a little bit like you know the the social and you know economical setting of of our society, and as you know. Um, 
the 20th anniversary of Swiss Next in San Francisco um, is about uh, cities. Um, that's that's the the name of the project Metropolis. And uh, the future of food was actually one of the main topics we decided to focus on. So I was wondering if you could share with us some of your thought about the role of food uh, in in the city. Uh, mm -hmm. What is its role? Uh, what, is, what are the role of the artisan? Well, I, I think like urban habitats are, are critical to survival, um, not only for humans. I mean, they're like um, located and critical, like mi migration of paths as well as for, for, for many species. So uh, I think like uh, even more considering all the like agricultural land that becomes like toxic by pesticides and, and herbicides, I think really like the... the the role of cities are incredibly important, not only for us, but really for a, for a multi-species justice. So I really think that uh, that uh, kind of like the, the importance of coexisting with with other than human species in, in, in it's kind of becoming the center of the ecological debate, and uh, the idea of uh, of creating um, green scenarios. Um, not not only like for our own needs, but in general, like to create like environments in the city that um, allow uh, liveliness way easier. Um, it's it's a huge. It's 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 very important. So this can be related also with the idea of uh, of, of artisans. Like I think like uh, it's 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 easy to introduce these artisanal practices back to society. Um, it is a change of, of, of uh, as I said, to treat time differently. Like like living in a rushed world, it's not taking us anywhere. So if we start thinking of time differently, um, we might have the possibility to introduce these, these practices that are healthier for us, healthier for the environment in general uh, in a much easier uh, way could you could you elaborate maybe a little bit on the uh, on the last sentences that uh, that you were saying regarding the future of cities what, what I meant a little bit is that uh, I think we we have to um, consider time differently we have to like uh, like treat time differently like learn to be more present and and local um, it's not about the past or the future like the change really comes from the present and uh, living in a in a rushed industrialized globalized world in where everything has to be like like quick it's not taking us anywhere so um it's not really um, working anymore. It's not relevant. So the idea of introducing practices that uh, need more patience, more time, um, that are much more um, like uh, like fair uh, to not only us humans but more than human uh, species, in where we can really like coexist in a in a healthier way. It's it's. Uh, I think it's it's a it's a future for for really like making a change in uh, in in our behavior in this planet, and I think it's possible. It's it's happening. I think like uh, people is interested in it, and they're really like uh, like um, kind of like engaged in this new mentality of how to approach uh, everyday uh, practices in, a, in an everyday basis. Um, I would I would like to come back to. Um to the cities because you said something interesting so you know we need to consider um uh the time and local and you know to also um 
promote uh, some practices, you know, that requires more uh, more patience. And in my understanding, cities are the epicenter of things happening faster than on the countryside. So I was wondering, how can how can you um, solve this tension? Yeah, it's that's difficult. I mean, when I started with this project, I like a lot of questions like started like popping up in in my mind, like like w- where are all these like artisanal bakeries in the cities or in towns? Who are the clients? Older young people? How much do they produce? Twenty or two hundred pieces of bread, and and uh, I realized that um, that uh, you know all these people like like. I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, I mean, they are like really in remote places, Uh, like cities are kind of like they have developed through another path and they are not kind of like welcoming these practices. You know, they are like keeping them uh, aside. And uh, and I mean, it was interesting to to see their social and economical situation, like their their like how this like profession being like so fair to their local surroundings i mean they they are really creating like micro um economies and micro ecologies in their own towns but it's kind of like difficult to to extract this and make it like in bigger cities and where everything kind of like goes in a different time frame um so yeah i mean uh, i don't know it's uh, it's it's difficult to predict mhm um how do you have um i'm i'm thinking about one example that i have in in san francisco there there are two or three bakeries that are um i think doing bread making bread in a very traditional way um uh, also with some political mission you know um but i was at uh, the grocery store the other day and one loaf was 17 dollars um and I was a bit caught between, you know, um, supporting this type of uh, work, and on the other hand, there is an an obvious economical economical question here of like who can afford this type of of bread. Is it also an aspect that you address in your work? Yes. Um, so I think it's it's. I mean, there are kind of like t- two things here. One is like the the traditional old wave of of baking bread, um, and then there's this other like modern sourdough kind of like current that we are living right now in cities uh, normally, which now makes something with you know like like artisanal bread is very simple, and in its base has only three ingredients: flour, water, and salt. So it's very cheap. It's like a very cheap like ingredient. That's why it has become kind of like the bedrock food of most of the societies um because in a b- in beautiful way it does not um understand of social status st- status you you can if you cannot afford meat or vegetables you usually still can afford bread um i remember actually now it came to my mind um a baker in galicia um what was his name? Um, Guillermo Moscoso from Pandemoa. Um, he's the third generation. He's in the 30s or, or 40s. And he t- took over the bakery like five, ten years ago from uh, his parents. He mentioned to me while I was there um, documenting his practice, he said, you know, the most beautiful thing of uh, of baking bread is that everyone finds themselves in the same bakery. 
you serve to the richest people the same way you serve to the poorest. And I found that really beautiful because actually um, we tend to commercialize everything. But but um, actually, bread is a it's it's a very simple and and ordinary everyday product, and that can be and for example in Spain, this like artisanal bread, uh, that it's still made in this old form and traditional uh, way. It's very cheap. Actually, uh, they they struggle because um, industrialized bread in the supermarkets, um, which actually shouldn't be called bread. <laughs> They should find another another word because it's not bread. It's really like it has nothing to do to, to what bread has been for most of the history of humankind. It's completely something else. Um, it doesn't have three ingredients. Have like between thirty one and thirty seven. So in there you can already like see how it's 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 not the same. Um, it's even cheaper. So they they were telling me like their their economical situation is really difficult because um, it's something that takes time. Uh, to produce they can they they need like 15 16 20 hours to 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 produce these types of bread and they they have to sell like 1 kilo for 2 euros because in the supermarket it costs 2 to 20 or in the gas station so um it's true that uh, that like the kind of like this this kind of like modern um current that we are living right now in the cities of like sourdough bread and like super artisanal is becoming like very expensive and I can't understand how how this is um how can we like reshape this because of of course on one side we have to um appreciate and acknowledge the time that things take and there is a price for that um and of course, then not accepting the the lower price that we are used to from like supermarket, like bread from the supermarket. But we need to find like a like an in between because uh, I mean it's it's an essential piece of food and and you cannot like buy yeah in Switzerland it's like ten francs ten 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 dollars for for a piece of bread half kilo and that's yeah un- unbelievable. Um, I like I like this idea of bringing some more like slowness or or patience into the mainly into the cities uh, probably something that would also do good to I guess other to, to humans in general probably mental health and less stress so it, it seems like a promising future to me <laughs> um, I like to uh, uh, end up this series asking people um, you know, we talk a lot about sustainable futures as well. And I was wondering if you could give us or if you had some tips maybe for our listeners um, on how they can contribute to uh, more sustainable urban futures. Eat artisanal bread, I will say. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I think um, being very conscious in, in what type of practices you support. I think like uh, mm-hmm. like... People um, don't have enough patience or time to think about what type of practices you do you want to support. Um, how is this that you are eating made? Um, um, like what? Like which ingredients are are being used? From where does it come from? Maybe starting from there, which is very simple, just like uh, thinking of what type of food you want to eat and from where does it come from and and what type of practices uh, are related to that can be a a big step, I think, like from small, s- small things like that make a huge difference. So what is particular- bread. <laughs> what, what is particularly interesting uh, uh, in the way you frame it is 
I was expecting what type of product do you support, but I like the way of framing it, what type of practices do you support over the product, actually. It's much more about the craftsmanship than about the end product. Absolutely. Um, I think like, I mean, at least speaking bread, um, it was really uh, focused. I mean, the, 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 the book, the outcome, um, like records and documents these like 45 breads and you have like the history and, and uh, kind of like the anecdotes of the bakers and you have some images of the outcome, but it's mostly about the process. And um, I mean, this is like a funny thing, but I'm gluten allergic. So I did a project about bread and I couldn't even try any of the types of bread, which which is kind of like a torture and many people can not really like understand that. But it made me, um, uh, it made me, uh, kind of like analyze these types of bread differently, like on, on, on really how they were made. Like, and actually it, it seems that the process is very similar because you mix flour, water and salt, you let it ferment, you do like a shape, you bake it. But actually you realize that by very small changes in the process, like leaving it 10 minutes more ferment or inside wooden, um, kind of like wardrobes or outside in the air, or if it's colder or warmer, or if you shape it more or less, it changes completely the, the process. So indeed, I think it's, it's really, um, about the relations, like the making with, like, uh, this, as for example, Donna Haraway introduces with a simple yes is this idea of like the, um, kind of combination of making with things, like placing the attention in the process and not so much in the, in the outcome. Well, great. Any, any, uh, I was about to ask you any final tip on like baking bread at home, but if you're gluten allergic, I don't know if you, if you do that yourself with a gluten-free, uh, wheat or. Yes, actually I, I do it. I, um, I actually, all this project project also started with, with, um, well, realizing that I have this allergy, I cannot eat, uh, bread, but I, I, I want to have good bread. Um, the gluten-free options that you have in the supermarket are, are pretty bad. Uh, mostly like with a lot of like, uh, extra ingredients that you, that you don't need, um, a lot of sugars. So, um, I started, um, with, uh, I, I did kind of like a couple of weeks of, uh, I worked in a bakery in Spain with Takalamur. She knows a lot about, uh, bread making. She has a lot of, uh, experience and she teach me how to, she, she showed me how to do normal bread because I think like in order to know how to do gluten-free bread, you need to understand how like, uh, like dough works and how fermentation works and, and how you, uh, transform Carolina, could you, into could you start yeah. again? Could you just start again explaining this uh, experience? Because we just had a cut with the Wi-Fi. Oh, it's my Wi-Fi not, not working well. Uh, most of the time it is, but I mean, 99% it's fine. And okay. it's just, I really want to, I would, I really want to hear this story. So I, <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind, just, uh, just telling us again that you started working at this, uh, at this place in Spain. Yeah. So I, I had my first experience in, in bread making with, um, in a bakery in Spain, um, with Takalamur. She's, um, she's a baker for over like 30 years. She has a lot of experience and she has a lot of experience in baking gluten-free bread, but not, not from now that it's kind of like a hip thing, but from like years ago, she was always interested in finding, um, different ways of, of keeping with this process of baking with other grains. Um, 
and this led her to to do um breads with like rice or or um corn or other ingredients that don't have gluten so I had to learn to do bread with gluten in order to understand how it works, how how the the ingredients ferment together and like kind of like the outcome with gluten in order to understand what you need as a lack for the gluten-free bread. So to answer your question, yes, I, I bake bread uh, at home. I would love to have more time to do it more often. <laughs> I think it's also like a romanticized thing of like, oh, yes, I will do it. But then you want it right now. But no, you need to let the dough rest. You need to, you know, like that ferment. So things kind of like expand a lot in time. So I don't do it so often, but um, it's possible. It's possible to do it. And it's it's a great kind of achievement. You really feel like so independent in when when you're able to do such things by yourself. So I really encourage people to do it. And well, of course, you. I mean, you I don't have like recipes in the in the in the book. Um, it's not like a recipe book based uh, project, but you have kind of like um stories that relate to to this process so there it might have some like i don't know like a like like interesting things for for the people to see in order to bake bread at home that's great we'll try to get a good uh, recipe from you and we'll add it in the show note right great <laughs> good idea uh, well yes. thank you very much carolina um and again i think it's also as you were saying baking um bread making bread for once um for oneself is also about about being patient with oneself i guess and uh question of time uh is very relevant here um and talking of time we are about to uh, uh end this podcast with you so thank you very much for participating for sharing your insights thank you amelia um, it was great yeah thank you very much for for participating to this uh, next cat podcast the Metropolis edition, which is the edition for the 20th anniversary of Swiss Next in San Francisco. Um, we're very much looking forward to uh, continuing working with you, welcoming you here in San Francisco in our space for, for the project. And we wish you a great day. Thank you. You too. See Bye. you soon. This episode was part of the Metropolis season, where we celebrate Swiss Next in San Francisco's 20th anniversary. Find out more about the anniversary and upcoming events by Swissnex in San Francisco in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode and see you at one of our upcoming events.